the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey, guys. I'm back with another edition of my college football summer school series. Let's go ahead and talk Duke with Adam Rowe of the Devil's Den. Adam, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me, bud. Absolutely. So uh, it had to be a pretty fun team to cover last year. Played a, a legitimate top 50, top 45 power ratings level. Won nine ball games, including a nice win over UCF there in, I guess, the military bowl, right? If I'm, if I'm uh, mm-hmm. recalling correctly yeah. there. Uh, but, but a great first season for Mike Elko. Yeah, he outperformed at least my expectations, and I think a lot of other people's too. Uh, the, the team that he inherited uh, from the previous regime had gone uh, 0-9 in the ACC, like 1-18 the previous two years. And he put, he put together the first winning record in, the comp- in conference play since uh, 2013 or 2014. Uh, just a really amazing job coaching. That was the reason why he won ACC Coach of the Year up and down, just kind of turned the program around. Um, there's a lot of excitement going into next year, too. They got a lot of guys back um, from that team, uh, fifth- and sixth-year guys, and, and had some success in the transfer portal, too. So, Riley Leonard, uh, the quarterback, was a total stud for them last year, very good through the air, was also the team's leading rusher if you take out the sacks. Where, where do you see his game potentially improving as he enters what is probably his final year in Durham? Yeah, his final year. That, that's that's uh, that's a good good point you bring up there. I, I, he's getting a lot of dra- uh, NFL draft buzz. Uh, he'll be he's, this is his true junior year, so he played some as a freshman and then was thrust into the starting role as a sophomore. I, I think it's just being more comfortable. Um, what they were doing with him in the spring in spring practices were kind of calling a group of plays and letting him make the decision at, at the line of scrimmage. Uh, so Kevin Johns is really putting his trust in, in Leonard to, to run the offense now. Um, and I think that's the next step in his progression as a quarterback. I mean, he's got all the goods. He can make the throws. He, like you said, he can run. I think Brad Crawford mentioned him as the number eight dynamic, most dynamic quarterback in all of college football. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, he's a heck of a talent and, and his next step is going to be the mental side of the game. So all of the top pass catchers for this team return. Is there anybody who was not a top guy in 2022 who who maybe could crack that top two or three rotation? Because I mean, right now, like, it doesn't look like there's a lot of room for movement. But maybe, maybe there's a young guy who's ready to take take that next step. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough. Um, they've got Jalen Calhoun back. Um, uh, I guess Samir Hagens would be the one guy that could, that kind of. Made some moves towards the end of the season as a, as a slot guy. Um, he's he's small, but he's real shifty and quick. Um, the other guy that I would kind of keep my eye on is a tight end, Nicky Damelin, um, who was hurt for most of the back end of the year. But he is like a true pass-catching tight end. 
doesn't spend a whole lot of time blocking at the line of scrimmage. And I think they'd love to get him more involved in the passing game. But I would keep my eye on Jordan Moore as the guy to watch this year. He was a quarterback going into actually in a fall camp last year until Leonard run won the job away from him. So it was his first year playing wide receiver on a college level, and he made some amazing plays. And a, a really strong hands. I actually led the team in, uh, in, in drop rate. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool to watch him. I mean, he, up until I think the first week of scrimmage, of fall scrimmages, fall, fall practice, he was taking first-team snaps as a QB. Interestingly here, uh, they do lose three of the top five on the offensive line by snap count. Now, I know Duke was a team last year that did have some injuries along, along the offensive line, so I don't know if the snap count accurately reflects like three of the top five best, but at least three of the top five guys who played the most are, are gone. They do take two transfers here on the offensive line. Uh, how do you see this group rounding out? Because it's pretty obvious, you know, Barton and Monk are, are, are going to be in there to stay, I would assume. Yeah, Barton and Monk are the guys. I, I think um, it was pretty interesting watching spring practice. They were playing guys at multiple positions, rotating guys in and out. Um, but, but I think uh, Jake Hornybrook from the Stanford transfer is going to be kind of one of the guys that's going to get a lot of heavy rotation. Uh, they have uh, a lot of optimism about um, Justin Pickett. Um, played some last year, but heading into this year is expected to make a much bigger, much bigger impact. And I think Brian Parker is another guy. Maurice McIntyre is a guy that was has really been a starter his whole career at Duke and, and had a tough injury at the beginning of the year last year. And they're hoping he'll be ready for the start of the season. Defensively, Mike Elko, you would expect to have pretty good defense. Of course, it was a question preseason with just not really having a great grasp for, for how much talent Duke had or did not have on the defense. But defensive line-wise, they have to feel pretty healthy. I basically ask you the same question I asked you about receiver. With, with everybody who took 100 snaps returning, and that's like eight or nine guys, it, is the rotation set? Is there somebody who you expect to kind of go from that backup to starter role or perhaps from, from starter to star? Uh, guy, keep an eye on for the last the last question started to start. VJ Anthony. I mean, he started as a true freshman, totally undersized. I, I think they'd love for him to put on some good weight in the off season. Um, and then one one uh, incoming freshman that they're to keep an eye on is Terry Simmons. Uh, he's a big dude. I think he's like three twenty. He's got his weight down to around three twenty. Uh, that he has not enrolled yet. He'll be in next week, and they're expecting him to kind of compete for, for some snaps, even though the defensive line is really, is really deep. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Tyler Santucci does with that group now that he's coming over from Texas A&M. Absolutely. That'll be, be an interesting move there. We think he – how do you think he impacts that group? Yeah, I don't know. Um, he was co-DC at Texas A&M last year. I, I don't know how much he, he was calling plays. I mean, he's a linebacker's guy through and through, so uh, he brings that same kind of skill set coaching linebackers that Rob Smith did. He's a young, energetic guy on the field. He's one of those guys that you talk to him off the field and he's real quiet and reserved, but then you see him on the field and it's like F-bomb, like this, that – yelling and screaming so i, I think he's going to bring kind of some of that energy and he's hit the recruiting trail running i mean he's making an impact on schools across north carolina i'm hearing from from coaches and players that he is he's really starting to develop those relationships so might not pay immediate dividends um with this group but they do have i would not necessarily say a hole at linebacker but losing shaka hayward is, is, is probably the biggest loss from last year's team um, so he's going to have to coach up some guys there that might not have been heavy rotation guys last year. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So linebacker, you mentioned the, the, the loss of, of Shaka Hayward. They do return a whole bunch of, of snaps there, though, from basically every, everybody else who, who played any, any uh, snaps of significance from last year. Mm-hmm. is back who's going to take that hayward role um dorian Mayusi, i think is 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 one of those guys him and trey freeman are the guys that you can kind of count on to be stalwarts there at the at that mike linebacker position um they fortunately got cam Dillon back uh as a columbia transfer last year who really surprised a lot of the fan base and i said we just didn't know a lot about him but he's a heavy hitter, really can get from side to side, sideline to sideline quickly. And he was honored at senior day, walked, and there was some consternation as to whether or not he would come back and kind of last minute decided, I think, the week before spring practice decided to come back. So he's, he's, he's probably him, and I would expect him and Freeman to be the starters in my OC who you could see played a lot of snaps is going to be there um, as kind of the third guy. But beyond that, I, there's a lot of un, untested, unproven guys. You, you mentioned that, that they, they took the transfer there uh, for, from the Ivy League. What, is Duke a team that is struggling to get transfers in academically? Like we, I know we've talked to Virginia, Stanford, Northwestern. A lot of those schools probably would take more transfers if they could. But mm-hmm. just ac- academics-wise, it's a hard fit, especially at some positions, it seems. it. Are there spots on this roster where Duke would have wanted to add a transfer but just was not able to find one that fit? Yeah, and they actually brought in three offensive linemen transfers that have since transferred out. Uh, oh, already this year? They already transferred out. Yeah, uh, Dan Volpe is a guy um, that came in. He transferred out from FCS. He didn't even get through spring practice. Yeah. Um, Dustin Hall from UCF made it through spring, spring practice and then transferred to Maryland, I believe. Uh, and then they had they had one other guy come in and and um, his name is escaping me right now. But yeah, that he kind of he, he left right after spring practice. So they're looking for some some other guys at OL um, to to potentially bring in late in the transfer portal cycle. Um, they're also talking to some linebackers to fill in that death role. Uh, and then safety as well. They're looking for another guy at safety. And I think what you spoke to academics-wise is, 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 is making things a little bit more challenging for them. Hard to be an undergraduate transfer at Duke. Uh, the, the most success that they've had with guys have been graduate transfers um, and a lot of Ivy League guys. So they're bringing in a lot of Ivy League guys now who are going to come in as walk-ons. Uh, get a chance to have a master's degree and and hopefully they can they can produce but no guarantees for sure uh you you mentioned maybe looking for another safety they do lose darius joiner in the secondary that they, they lost a uh, uh, daytron young mm-hmm. does that group take a step back you think or, or can it can it be status quo w- w- with those two losses yeah it's interesting well um brandon johnson was one of the best defensive backs in in the acc last year uh, they use him out all over the field. Um, so I think he's expected to step into that Darius Joyner role okay. uh, from his nickel spot. Um, and then they brought in two transfers, a seventh-year guy from Texas A&M, Miles Jones, a six-year guy from Miami and Al Blades Jr. Those are two guys that have a lot of pedigree, have a lot of good football behind them, but maybe have been injured for a couple years. And they're hoping that they can kind of hit the jackpot with them and, and, and find some diamonds there that, that once they get over their injuries, they can really, you know, step in. I would expect if those guys are going to play big roles, you're looking at Chandler Rivers, uh, who's one of the best freshman cornerbacks in the, in the ACC in the country, um, who's not going to give up his role lightly. Um, and then uh, there's one other guy. I think his name is, his name is Pickett. Joshua Pickett. I always confuse Justin and Joshua. Um, so he's he's not giving up his role lightly either. So I think they're going to have to try to be creative with those guys because 
I mean, you're probably looking at those are like the five best defensive backs on the in the roster. So maybe they'll slide some guys over to safety. Um, and Isaiah Fisher Smith is expected to be a big player at safety as well. I assume by the answer we, we talked about just a minute ago with the offensive line, the fact they're looking for more transfers at this, we're going to go. But what's the spot on this team with the largest drop off other than quarterback uh, between your starters and your backups? You know, when you're out there at practice, you're like, all right, maybe those guys will be good one day, but these backups really are not people that, that could have success if, if they're thrust in the game roles. Yeah, I mean, linebacker is probably the biggest um, tight end is another. I think when Domlin went out last year, they had a lot of trouble integrating their, their tight ends into the offense. Um, and they don't really have a game changer coming in via the recruiting recruiting or the transfer portal. So, I mean, it's it's. I think it's a pretty far drop off from him. Keeping him healthy is going to be a really, really, uh, really important piece. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a really good question. The OL is, is depth is is not great. I think they would love to add another couple guys there in the transfer portal. Um, yeah, I, I think those are the biggest. Those are the biggest because, like you said, they've got every skill position player back, every wide receiver, every running back. They actually moved one of their running backs to safety who played really well last year, Terry Moore. Um, so they've got a lot of depth in the on the offensive side of the ball um, besides tight end. Um, yeah, linebacker, potentially safety. We'll see how those guys shake out. It, it'll be infor- it, pretty important for them to get off to a, a fast start. Obviously, they open with Clemson, um, at, yeah. at which, I mean, if Clemson's not improved, you could beat them. If, if, if Garrett Riley has them cooking from from game one and that's probably a little little tougher task for duke but uh, yeah. i mean La, lafayette northwestern connecticut they'll be favored in all three of those ball games and if you get off to that three and one start you you, you, have, you have to feel pretty good but they definitely get the bad draw here in terms of mm-hmm. it's almost the anti-louisville uh, i don't know if you've seen louisville's DC schedule but it's like where where's the rest of this <laughs> right right with uh with, with with duke i mean you get virginia which i think should be terrible again um you don't get Vatech, you don't get Cuse, there's no Boston College. Boston College, right? yeah. 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 Yeah, this is kind none of, of those none of those bottom half of the ACC teams are on the schedule, really. And then you pull in Notre Dame as on the I rotation. Mean, the back half of this, it, 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 from basically the, the, the last day in September to the end of the season is 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 pretty challenging. They're, they're need to get off to that good start. I, Adam, I really appreciate the time. I'll, I'll get you out of here on this. If they lined up and played it. Does this year's team beat last year's team? Like, do you think this is a better team than last year? Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Just because all, so many people back. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were learning an offensive system for the first time. They were learning how to work under this head coach for the first time. They know all that now. Now it's adding on, you know, getting into the deeper, deeper pages of the, of the playbook, uh, really perfecting their craft. And, and I think this coaching staff has the chops to do it. Awesome, man. Really appreciate it. Adam Rowe. Devil's Den. Guys, check them out. The awesome Duke coverage they do, and we'll we'll be watching you guys throughout the season. Thanks, bud. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, guys, welcome back in. I'm Bud Elliott. This is Summer School on the Cover 3 Podcast. Today, we're going to talk Stanford, a program that has had some major changes. And to help us do that, we're going to bring in Jackson Moore of Cardinal 247. Jackson, welcome to the show again, man. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So last year, uh, a 3-9 and nine record, not really a competitive team in, in many of those ball games. I think a lot of people had a whole lot of respect for David Shaw, and, and some teams probably didn't pour it on 
uh, quite as well as, or quite as much as they perhaps could have at the end of some of those ball games. David Shaw steps down. They bring in Troy Taylor from Sacramento State. What what are some of the biggest changes you've seen within the program so far? What what's sort of the the vibe and, and the feeling you get out of there right now? Yeah, the biggest change, um, uh, you know, at least from watching practice, uh, you see a different type of energy. Um, it's a lot of up tempo. It's you know stylistically quite <laughs> polar opposite from the pro style uh, kind of smash mouth football that Stanford had been used to running for a while now. They've tried to change things up the last couple of years and, and weren't too successful, but kind of started trending towards this way in this modern era. From a coaching stance standpoint, I mean, you know, as you mentioned, David Shaw had a lot of respect, you know, both from opponents and from his school and, and the program and everything within. So you didn't think it was, I just didn't think it could be a culture issue. But uh, from the very start, Coach Taylor has come out and preached that he wants to start with the base of love and. You, know, you hear him say that word a whole lot. Uh, it's about having that connection with the players and, you know, having them involved in everything. So, um, you know, it feels very much like they're starting from ground one with this change. And it's both from the coaching staff, which is 100% new to uh, the roster, even where the whole starting lineup, it seems like from last year is either gone to the NFL or, or transferred out. Um, a lot of those grad transfers too. So, uh, they don't want to call it a rebuild per se, since Stanford has had so much success in not the not too distant past. But uh, it feels like a, a brand new era for Stanford football, for sure. On offense, you mentioned probably in- increased pace, so uh, a little more spready. I would say, who is going to play quarterback? Because they, they did lose Tanner McKee, who at least a couple NFL teams liked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was a, a competition in the spring, and it's been unresolved. In fact, it's probably more complicated now that they've brought in another transfer. Um, but all spring long, we saw uh, Ari Patu and Ashton Daniels, who we've seen them play a little bit in the past. Patu had a start. Daniels was a Wildcat quarterback last year. So they went at it all spring long. Um, you know, didn't really get a good uh, grasp of either one really having the edge on the other just one day to the next they traded first and second team reps and um and now they bring in another quarterback out of syracuse the guy that uh probably has the same kind of um resume i mean a guy that hasn't really played a whole lot but uh the high three-star kind of background and and you know not a lot of college experience so they're going to go into the season really with no one that has much experience under their belt at the college level, but um, you know, the, that's a guy that could develop over two and three years and then be a guy that turns into something for Troy Taylor. And uh, it's kind of the way it's got to go at Stanford right now with the portal issues. Speaking of those, of those portal issues, I mean, the, the Stanford roster is not far off from what I guess Dion inherited Colorado. The difference being, there may not be 70 players in the, in the entire portal that, that could get into Stanford, uh, given how tight the admission requirements are. How much has this been a struggle for them at the offensive line where six of their top eight guys by snap count last year are, are gone? This, to me, this looks a little bit scary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they had two of their four transfers that they have gotten in via scholarship are offensive linemen. So they at least, went after that as hard as they could. They got two Ivy Leaguers. Uh, Trevor Mayberry from Penn came in early for the spring. Uh, um, he's an undersized tackle, um, not experienced at guard, so even he, his situation has been a little tough for them, and they've got Alec Bank coming in from Harvard still. Um, so, yeah, a lot of youth, uh, not much experience on the O-line, and not much depth either. They uh, had trouble fielding two deeps in the last spring practices, so... Uh, that O-line especially, considering it's often been the strength of Stanford's offense, is uh, troublesome. But, you know, maybe going spread, going up tempo, getting the ball out a little bit quicker might take some of the pressure off of these guys that have had to either be smash mouth linemen or slow mesh last year and, and uh, where the offense kind of broke down from the start over the past couple of years. I do lose Elijah Higgins out, out wide. What, what's the prospect for, for this receiver room this year? Yeah, that's a room where there are a couple of guys at least, um, but they lose about four or five of the the main stars. Uh, Colby Bowman is one that returns. They've got a lot of youth. 
Mudia Rubin is a, a player who contributed as a true freshman last year, poised to be one of the contributors at a much higher level this year. Even Tiger Bachmeyer, an early enrollee true freshman, came in this spring and saw some first-team reps at times. Um, I think while Troy Taylor didn't run a very tight end heavy offense at Sac State, it is going to be a spot where they're going to use the best personnel they have. And this team includes a lot of receiving tight ends as well. So uh, they're going to find a way to work those guys in for sure. And uh, probably be some glorified slot receivers at times. Ben Urasek is uh, about the best player on this team, perhaps. So uh, he will definitely factor into that wide receiver conversation. Makes sense. Um, this offense is not as good as last year's, I assume, just in your estimation. You know, it's it's one of those things where probably across the board, this team's not nearly as talented as last year, but that team did win three games and the coaching was questioned for multiple years. So yeah. you wonder if this new offensive coaching staff can take players that aren't as talented and potentially win a couple of more games, you know, fingers crossed. Um, but they have some weapons. I think the biggest thing the offense has going for them is that running backs, uh, EJ Smith and Casey Filkins are two very dynamic players that are going to be in a very dynamic offense for running backs. And we just haven't seen those guys have a full season healthy. Uh, Smith only lasted a couple of games last year and Filkins has been banged up his whole career. So the fact that they have those two guys to lean on and, both are guys that are going to be catching passes out of the backfield, can split out to the slot, are terrific running backs themselves. Uh, that may be something that, I mean, Stanford last year, about the last month of the season, had no scholarship for running backs healthy. Uh, they were using a safety uh, the last couple of games. So that's one area where this team should be a lot better personnel-wise. One of the few spots you can probably point to at the roster and say that. Makes sense. Uh, defensively, they were they were pretty horrendous last year, uh, and and not kind of not competitive in, in in some of these these ball games. And they did find a way to win three at least. Uh, what do you think will change schematically with Stanford with, with the new staff? Yeah, they've brought in uh, Bobby April from Wisconsin, and you know that's been something that they've been leaning on right now because Wisconsin, despite a change, did have some success on defense, especially in the front seven. Uh, they bring in that whole staff, uh, the D-line, inside linebackers coach and outside linebackers coach, basically. Uh, they bribe a few other coaches elsewhere in the secondary, but um, it is a base that has been successful, and you know they hope that they can translate it to Stanford, the scheme at least. Personnel-wise, um, they're definitely going to have some challenges. Basically, the whole secondary is new, guys that haven't played a whole lot, or you know, you're at least losing the experienced starters at just about every position. Um, at linebacker, inside linebacker, that was another one of those groups where a lot of uh, highly touted recruits that were hurt a lot of their career, and then the last two years they got out there, it didn't produce very much. So, uh, and then again, unproven players stepping in, but maybe they'll be more productive. Uh, the D-line last year was very, very young. Um uh, did not have much experience. Uh, the defensive tackles, not much size, and that group has improved uh, significantly. It's still going to be a weakness in the, the interior D-line, I believe, but uh, not as bad as it was last year. Um, the one strength that they can really look at is the edge position where they've got – they're about five or six deep, um, both young youth and veteran players there. That, that's the one position they're pretty loaded at, and April himself has taken that group, so – um, it'll be interesting to see if they spread some of those guys around, maybe move some to the interior, the bigger ones, and maybe try to get some of the more athletic guys, a linebacker, or uh, just rotate the heck out of those six players and uh, lean on them more than anyone else. It's interesting you say that, you know, because I, I look at this and they, they, they lose Heron, they, they lost to Mooney, um, but they, they got what? They, they have Bailey. Uh, who are some of the guys that that are are standing out there at that edge spot? Like this is why I love doing summer school because like I would not have thought that edge would be a strength for Stanford this year. And, and is it Bailey and somebody else, or or, or who's kind of emerging here? Um, well, with with Bailey and his class are two other um, second year guys that were very promising last season. Um, R.J. Cooper and uh, Tevarua Tafiti, both of those guys would have been those 
big name freshman type players had they not been overshadowed by David Bailey. Uh, they got some of that action later in the year. Um, there's some other pieces. There's a four-star Wilfredo Abar who um, basically missed all last season and he was healthy in the spring. So now he's getting that shine. Um, he's been in there. Aaron Armitage as uh, another highly rated recruit that was two years in the program and um, in that mix and uh, might move he's one of those guys i could probably see moving to to free up some space elsewhere but um yeah they've got uh i mean you look at the two deep and a lot of positions you think uh oh <laughs> this is the first team but on the edge you look at the third team and say hey i mean these guys they've got some contributors there that are, are just a little bit buried at that particular spot i think i know at a lot of these positions i i agree uh that, that is good to hear on edge i, I want to hit you with this question about corner uh so Jimmy Wyrick and uh, Manley basically didn't play not much or, or at all last year, but they're still on the roster. And they were guys who played, you know, starters or, or significant backup reps in 2021. It, have those guys bounced back? Or are, are you expecting them to be starters for this team? Yeah, I mean, Manley was not even on the roster last year. He came back and all of a sudden he's taking first team reps. Um you know, I think it says more about the status of the roster probably than them themselves. There's not a lot of options, um, but they're about as good of options as they have. I mean, to have some upperclassmen who do have some experience, uh, it's better than nothing uh, as far as what the coaches are inheriting. But, um, yeah, there's about only about enough players for a two deep out there in the secondary o- over the course of spring, and you've got – some upperclassmen like them and you've got some unproven underclassmen uh, that are trying to battle for those spots. So um, they're in a tough spot there at the secondary. Stanford does return maybe the best kicker in the country. Uh, <laughs> and they kicked a lot of field goals last year when, when they got in range, 13 of 13 on stuff of 40 plus. And uh, also uh, he was perfect on the year. So that's uh, 18 of 18 is, is pretty darn good. Uh, let me ask you this. Wh- where is the position other than quarterback, uh, where the drop-off between the starters and the backups is the largest. You know, that spot where you go out to practice, you're like, all right, man, mm. if, if they lose him and this backup's got to play, they're, they're in real trouble. Yeah, that one, that one is tough because it feels like a lot of the first team and second teamers are – both you know they're they're unproven and they've been competing all spring so it feels like a lot of them are kind of interchangeable i think maybe inside linebacker is one spot where they have gone to the portal now and and fixed some of that but um they lost a lot of inside backers they bring back tristan sinclair and the other starter in spring was a a walk-on spencer jorgensen who got a scholarship after spring uh but they have added two inside backers there from the portal uh gaithan bernadell from fiu and now they just brought in uh, another inside backer from Wisconsin from the old staff. So uh, that might not be as big of an issue, but um, that's definitely one where uh, a lot of the depth is not necessarily kind of promising developing players, but uh, it's more walk-ons and guys that have kind of not been around as long as uh, some of the other position units. Makes sense to me. Jackson, really appreciate the time. All Cardinal fans need to check out Cardinal 247 and uh, maybe in for a rough year this year, but uh, Troy Taylor is a consistent winner. I know I had him much higher than where CBS had him uh, in the coaching ranking. I, I I did not put him dead last or anywhere close to it. I, I, the guy knows how to coach, and um, I guess we'll just see how how, uh, how well a school plays ball in terms of transfer restrictions and things like that because it's, this is uh, it's a difficult – uh, retooling, if they don't want to call it rebuild, I guess, uh, given the the restrictions. Yeah, I mean they've they've gotten into the portal a little bit. Um, they're not going to have eighty five scholarship guys this year. I, I think they're going to be about five short at least. Um, but they bring in Justin Lamson at quarterback, and you know maybe he changes things for them. Maybe the offense looks better with the, Taylor's offense. You know you hope within two or three years that this thing will. Uh, be back on track, but this year's going to be a tough one, I think. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You guys, Bud Elliott here. Welcome back into the Cover 3 College Football Podcast. This is my summer school series. I'm bringing on Evan Flood. Evan, let's talk a little Wisconsin Day, man. Sounds good. Exciting new era here in Madison. Absolutely. So uh, last year, you know, seven and six, they they decided to make the change, which I think surprised some people that they you know would would, would go ahead and do that. But obviously, they, they have high expectations there in Madison, and things uh, had started to stagnate a little bit. What what are some of the biggest changes you've seen so far under Luke Fickle? I mean, well, what hasn't changed? I know you know he he was big on trying to keep the Wisconsin culture around, trying to keep the brand going even though there were going to be overwhelming changes you know specifically with the roster and, and the systems on both sides of the ball but but the biggest change has to be the offense I mean the, the offense that uh, Wisconsin fans grew up with that, that everybody thinks uh, you know when you think Wisconsin is ground and pound methodical that's all out the window I mean I, I was watching spring practice and you know I'd, I'd take a note after a play you know if, if I had my head down in that notebook too long I was missing the next snap I mean now my, my palate's probably different than than yours and, and most that, that are accustomed to seeing you know sort of uh you know up tempo pro uh, up tempo spread offenses so um you know it took a while for me to adjust but I think Wisconsin fans you know who haven't seen this product on the field offensively are going to be shocked by just how fast they move how many plays, uh, you know, they're going to get in in a short amount of time. I mean, again, you think Wisconsin, they're, they're used to use every one of those 40 seconds <laughs> in the play clock. Now, you know, it's 10, 15 seconds, boom, boom, boom. Um, they're running out of the shotgun. Almost everything's out of the shotgun these days. Uh, you're going to see a, a different type of, um, you know, run style than, than you're accustomed to trying to get guys like like Braylon Allen in, in, in space, which is going to be unique this fall to see a guy who's built like that try and, and play in a, a spread offense. You know, you've all of a sudden got three, four-star quarterbacks on the roster. You know, it used to be if you had one, you were feeling pretty good about where Wisconsin was at. Now you see this influx of receivers as well. Bryson Green comes in from Oklahoma State, had a prolific year. C.J. Williams, a former five-star out of USC. Uh, it, it's just, I hear these things come out of my mouth and, and I almost don't believe it, you know, after all the stuff you know, I've witnessed offensively for Wisconsin. So, you know, that, that's going to be the biggest adjustment, I, I think, for people when when they watch this product, which, you know, I'm sure it's exciting to a lot of people just see Wisconsin sort of catch up now to, to you know, kind of what's typical in, in college football. No doubt about it. I mean, Wisconsin very well might be favored in, what, all but one game, potentially, the the, the, the game against the Buckeyes, and even even that won't be a walkover, certainly, uh, for Ohio State since they have to come to Madison. Uh, you, you mentioned the quarterback, Kenner Mordecai from SMU, had a really strong year last year. How has he looked in Phil Longo's dairy raid? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's been up and down. I, I would say he started hot early. Now, how much of it is just Wisconsin's defense, which is pretty good uh, to begin with, starting to adjust to, to what they're seeing? Obviously, they practiced against a completely different system uh, for, for years in seemed to get stronger as spring wore on and you know, Mordecai kind of struggled to take care of the football. I would say, you know, based on first impressions and you also have to take into consideration, he's playing with a brand new group of people, um, players and coaches. Um, he'd probably be a, a step above, you know, what Wisconsin had in, in, in Graham Mertz. Uh, I think the biggest thing they need from him is just ball security, managing the game, getting the ball out quickly. They didn't put a whole lot on his plate. It was a lot of quick strike throws, um, not necessarily leaving him in the, in the pocket too long. So I think he's still getting a feel for things. But, but you know, it was relatively inconsistent for him. Had his days, um, 
that he looked really good, had had days, you know, he'd, he'd love to have back. Uh, so I'm still kind of on the fence about, you know, where he is, you know, in terms of is he going to be the guy that takes the shackles off this Wisconsin offense and gets them over the hump. Obviously, we'll know a lot more this fall once he gets accustomed to the playbook, um, gets better chemistry with, with the teammates and, and, and all that. But um, it, it was a good but but not a great spring for him. I Obviously, like, like the, the question there is not, if he's the guy, it's really like, is he the guy that's going to make this thing go to another level, I assume? Yeah, I, I actually think I like what Wisconsin has in, in Braden Locke. I think, you know, the Mississippi State transfer, uh, he did not look like a guy who's never played a, a snap of college football yet. You know, I, I think if a scenario were to arise where he were to get in there, I think Wisconsin fans should feel pretty good uh, about him. But, you know, Tanner Mordecai took every single first-team snap. Locke didn't get one. I think the writing's on the wall there. They're, they're going to go until – you know, something unforeseeable happens. For sure. Uh, now, on the offensive line, they return everybody but one, but the one was a you know, pretty good player there in Joe Tipman. What, what's their plan to replace him, and, and do you think this offensive line could be better than last year's? Uh, it, it remains to be seen. I think the center position is a, a huge question mark for, for Wisconsin, and you know, we talked about the changes in the offense. The, the biggest adjustment right now is the snapping. Wisconsin did almost everything under center, now these guys are going shotgun, and, and a lot of snaps, uh, you know, missed their mark there, there in spring. It was a shocking number of, of botched snaps. Now, the Cincinnati transfer, Jake Renfro, was out all spring. He may end up alleviating all of those concerns. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But, but he was a guy that didn't play in 2022 either, um, and he's missed a, a ton of football over the last two years now. So he's going to be playing catch-up uh, in, in the fall here, uh, trying to get – you know, with, with this new offense as well. Uh, they have Tanner Bordellini, who's got a lot of experience at, at that center position, but but that's not really his strongest spot. He wants to be at one of the guards. Um, on the other hand, you know, where, where do you move him? Because you, you've you got Joe Huber, the Cincinnati transfer, came in and looked really good. I think he's he, if Wisconsin's offensive line is better than it was a year ago, he's going to be a big reason why. I think he's solidified uh, that, that left guard spot there. And then the other guard spots, you know, you, you got um, uh, Joe Brunner, a really promising uh, young young player that, that's pushing for time. Um, blanking on the name here, but but they've got a, <laughs> they, they've got a, um, a lot of bodies at, at the guard position. I'm sorry, Michael Fertney, a senior, um, came back for six years. The guy I'm, I'm thinking of that, that can play that spot as well. Uh, so they got depth. Uh, they, they've got. Um, you know, some young players pushing for time as well. Uh, I think the two tackle spots are pretty, pretty solidified with Jack Nelson, who could end up being a guy that goes pro after this year. Riley Malman, a, a really high upside right tackle that, that's going in his sophomore year. So it's got a chance to be better, but but Jake Renfro really needs to to uh, get into that center spot and, and, and kind of alleviate a lot of those issues Wisconsin's having in, in their new pro stat, or new spread offense. Absolutely. On, on the defensive side of the ball, this is Luke Fickle, basically his signature defensive line wise, they do lose Keanu Benton, who was a, a really good college football player. Now will be a, a, a pro. Uh, they take, you know, Darian Varner uh, from Temple. Uh, what, what's the transition been there? Like is Varner respected to start? What, what, what are you seeing there from that interior defensive line? Yeah, that's, that's going to be the biggest question mark on, on defense. Um, aside from maybe how they replace Nick Herbig, they, they just don't have that that typical front seven. I, I think that they've got guys who have played a lot of football, but but they don't necessarily have, you know, that that dude that's going to impact things behind the line of scrimmage can, consistently and, and make those plays like like Benton did. And even if you know Benton wasn't making the play, he, he was a reason why other people were. Just his ability to take on multiple blockers, you know, sometimes get the quarterback happy feet, get them moving outside the pocket, getting, getting rid of that ball quickly. Uh, they've got uh, some problems, I think, in, in that front group, specifically with the line. Now, Barner was out all spring, so we don't know necessarily what they have there. I think ideally Wisconsin would like him to, to start. He's a guy that I think had four or five sacks uh, last season at, at Temple. That's, you know, significantly more than any other player on, on Wisconsin's defensive line. You know, Rodas Johnson's a guy that that's shown flashes through his career, but hasn't been consistent. You know, James Thompson Jr. Uh, played a lot of football last year. He, he's got a lot of measurables you, you can't teach at, at 6'6", 250. Uh, but, you know, he, he hasn't necessarily put it all together yet either. So I think Varner's got to be the answer there. And, 
you know, you will see Wisconsin go a lot lighter uh, this year defensively under Mike Trestle than they did uh, under Jim Leonard. Um, you know, Mike Trestle, I, I think, wanted to incorporate some of the 3-4 that, that Jim Leonard was doing, and I still think he will, but uh, they're, they're going to play to their strengths. And right now their strengths are, are more at middle linebacker, uh, corner, and, and safety, and, and getting those guys on the field, trying to be lighter, more athletic. Makes sense to me, obviously. you, you got to play to your personnel. What What's the pass rush plan for this team? I, I, I assume a lot of it will have to come from those outside linebackers. Yeah, you, you think so, but, you know, this position hasn't really come along the, the way it has, um, you know, in the past. I, I think Nick Herbig's going to be extremely difficult, if not impossible, for, for Wisconsin to replace. Uh, they, they got a guy that the previous staff was very high on, and Daryl Peterson played quite a bit as a redshirt freshman, had two sacks in, in reserve last season. You know, like some of those defensive linemen, I, I just don't know if he, he's put it all together yet and, and um you certainly probably not an every down guy uh, for Wisconsin, but but third and long, I, I still think he's somebody that you know you let him pin his ears back and, and, and turn it loose. Uh, but but he's somebody I, I think that's maybe one of the most important players uh, on this defense, just in terms of giving them what they're going to lose with, with Herbig, who was a factor on every single snap. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised though if Wisconsin turns more to their inside linebackers for pressure. They got two returning starters, Amuma and John Meda and Jordan Turner, both of which had breakout seasons last year. Saw him use a lot of three inside linebacker looks in, in, in spring, and putting a guy like Jake Cheney, who, who's played a lot of football, um, and kind of having him be a rover, you know, whether it's lining him up on the edge or really three inside linebackers at once or even putting him in pass cover, just trying to mix and match him and, and get a certain matchup you like and, and let him attack. Uh, so I actually think the inside linebackers are going to be much more of a factor in, in, in the pass rush than uh, the, the outside linebackers, which is, you know, kind of atypical of what we've seen in Wisconsin the past couple of years. But I, I just don't think they have the guys to necessarily impact um, the, the passer on a consistent basis. The, the secondary did lose three of their top four guys, at least by snap count. They take two transfers, maybe three, depending on, on, on how, you, how you read uh, the depth chart there. What's your assessment of the secondary? Are they a step down from where they were last year? I think it might be a step up. I know, you know, a lot of people will look at the loss of John Torchio, five interceptions, you know, but he was a guy that, that really struggled to tackle. I think, you know, he had, I think Pro Football Focus had him with, with 12, or and actually I think it was closer to 17, which was far missed tackles, which is far more than anybody on, on Wisconsin's roster. Uh, that they got a guy in Hunter Wohler who's kind of been waiting in the wings, a former four-star prospect that opted to stay home you know, over Ohio State, Notre Dame, and, and others. He was injured last year, uh, came back midway through the season and, and showed a lot of good stuff. You know, he's ready uh, to, to kind of be a, a leader for this defense and, and maybe, you know, one, one of their better players. You know, Kamoi Latu at, at safety uh, was one of the more underrated transfer pickups in the portal last year. I came over from Utah and when Wohler went down, stepped in really nicely. Uh, just one of the most violent players, you know, I've ever seen come through this program as a hitter. Uh, and they got depth at, at safety. Uh, you know, I like a lot of these young guys, I think are going to steal some snaps, specifically Austin Brown, you know, was a former four star played in nine games as a true freshman. You know, he, he was not only Jim Leonard's guy, but but he was Luke Fickle's guy. Luke Fickle wanted him really badly when he was at Cincinnati, and they pushed hard for him uh, as well. So I think they're going to try and get him on the field. Corner, they got Alexander Smith back uh, for a sixth year, which was big. Uh, he, he was hampered by a hamstring injury half of last season and, and never really got to show his, his best stuff. Um, and then they picked up um, a couple of uh, transfer cornerbacks, one of which I, I think is – uh, a really promising addition in, in Boston College transfer, Jason Matry. They're going to line him up in the slot. And he, he's played everywhere uh, over his uh, five five years uh, in, in collegiate football, safety, perimeter corner. But, but Wisconsin kind of wants to use him as a, a bigger physical slot corner who, who can run and, and come up in the box and, and, and tackle. And then, um, you know, they, they did well, I think, in, in Luke Fickle's first recruiting class at a corner a couple of true freshmen jace arnold and, and um jonas DeCluna, uh both really held down the second team uh they'll, they'll see some snaps uh here and there uh, they look pretty good in the spring as well uh they also picked up another transfer from grand valley state who was a d2 all-american so so they were able to fill out this uh secondary 
pretty well, I think, in the offseason. And, and that's good for Wisconsin because that's typically been the, the biggest weakness of this defense. They've been all about the front seven. But, but you know, this season, I would, I would say the back end, you know, is probably its strength. It, just from, you know, hearing you chat about this, first of all, this is why I love doing summer school because I, I would have assumed that the, the secondary would, would take a step back and it sounds like they'll be better. Is this defense roughly the same caliber of last year's or, or do you think it's materially different? I think it'll be about the same. I just think the strengths will be different. You know, you'll go from a team that wants to pack the box um, and cause havoc up front to, again, like I said about the offense, you know, the defense is changing a little bit as well. You know, they're going to be uh, bigger, faster, more athletic on the back end than I think people are used to. I'm not saying they're you know up there with, with Ohio State or anything about that, but from Wisconsin standards, it's going to be different than what you think. You know, Wisconsin typically – uh, under Jim Leonard, you know, wants to play that game between the tackles. I don't think that's the case this year. I think they like what they have um, in the secondary to be able to put five, six guys on, on the field at the same time, move them around and, and create uh, looks and, and pressures from that way, rather than relying on, on um, the front seven to do the majority of that. You know, we saw in spring, it was a real light box. I mean, you know, I think, you know, as spring wore on, we saw more two-man fronts than, than anything. So I think you're going to see the secondary kind of take over and be the playmakers of this defense. But but in terms of overall, I, I would say it's relatively similar to, to last season's. Uh, not not one of the more dominant ones that you've seen since Wisconsin went to the 3-4 uh, under Dave Aranda, Justin Wilcox, and, and Jim Leonard. But, you know, probably somewhere top 25 nationally. Evan, Badger247, really appreciate the time. I'll get you out of here on this one. Where Where's the spot on this ball club that – they have to stay healthy because the drop-off between the starters and the backups is just that large. I would say defensive line, and I'm not very overly high on that group, but, you know, you, you see what they have in the two deep. They don't have a whole lot. I know Greg Scruggs, the first-year defensive line coach, is working and recruiting to revamp that that whole group and, and, and kind of change what they have. But, uh, you know, they, they've got four guys that have played games who, you know, I think, are going to struggle, especially early in the season. Uh, if, if they were to lose one or two to injuries, I think it would be a huge problem with what they got be behind that that group. There, there's just not a lot of guys who have been able to play football in, in this program, um, which, again, goes back to why I think you're seeing a lot of two-man fronts, um, A, to protect those guys, B, they just don't have the depth and, and talent, uh, specifically at the end position. So uh, if they are going to get – faster and more athletic as a defense. They need guys like Rodas Johnson, Darian Varner, James Thompson Jr. to, to start impacting things on the edge there and also need to stay healthy because Wisconsin you know, can't replace those guys either. Evan, really appreciate the time here at Summer School. Yeah, thanks for having me. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.